Okay. Yeah. Cheers. 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 We're getting started. It's, yeah, it's Thursday, everyone, and we're here. I sound sick today because I am sick, and it's just, it's been a weird, it's been a weird week. I feel like we start this way every week, though, honestly. What, with you sick? No, with me being like, it's been a long week. Like, it's been a really weird long week, and people are probably like, we fucking know. (laughs) Hey, this podcast is like therapy for me. So I'm gonna it be really real. is. Same. It's always it's been a hard week for about seven years now. Yeah, so great. Let's all just the own it. They're just all hard. <laughs> if we're gonna just be honest, truly, <laughs> life is suffering. Welcome to the podcast. Um, let's go ahead and jump right in with our first topic today, which is what's happening in the world. Who's got something to kick us off here? What's not happening um, in the world? Um, it's okay. all happening. One of y'all put in something about cities that are outlawing Airbnbs, which I'm super interested in and intrigued by. Yes. Who put that so, in? I put that in. This is Kaylee. Um, I, <laughs> for the people who are listening and are like, who's this sick girl? <laughs> we don't know this voice. Um, so I put that in. And I think it's interesting because like in, in cities like New York City, they've outlawed it. And so now for people who are looking for a short-term rental or want to go and stay and do that, it's not on the table anymore. And I think this is an interesting shift that's happening in cities because it changes the landscape of places to stay. And I feel like it makes it a little bit more difficult um, because there's a finite number of hotels. Airbnbs opened up a lot more options for people. Um, So I just, I didn't know if you guys had heard anything about this. What do you think about it? Have you ever stayed in an Airbnb in a city where they're now outlawed? Let's discuss. I almost certainly have stayed in one in New York, I'm sure. Um, It's just tricky because I think, yeah, maybe for tourists it's a little weird. But, like, for the people who actually live there, I just can't imagine these huge corporations now buying up all these single-family homes and apartments and then using them as short-term rentals. And if you live there, you can't find anything to buy or rent and it drives right. up the prices. Um, so I don't yeah. know. It's tricky because on the one hand, I'm like, I kind of understand it. Like, I understand why you'd want to outlaw it. It kind of sucks for the people who actually live there. Um, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I've th- That's most of the narrative that I've heard around Airbnb lately has been like, how negatively it's impacted like the housing market and taxes and HOA fees and a lot of like, um, uh, neighbor, like how neighborhoods are designed. And I know in the last like four to five years, I've heard more about like condo properties, like HOAs, not allowing Airbnbs, but this is the first I've heard of like full cities, which I I respect it because like, the local government is supposed to support residents, right? So I think erring on the side of caution for folks looking to purchase housing, like that to me seems like a good call. Um, yeah. I've also seen a lot of chatter around like how inefficient staying at Airbnbs is uh, unless it's part of a big group, like a family or a work trip. Like we utilize Airbnb for omniscient uh, offsites because having like common space is really nice. Like you spend all your time together and everyone still has their own private rooms. Whereas in a hotel, like there's not really that common area to like kill time and watch a movie or like have those group dinners. But Mm -hmm. like Austin and I don't stay in Airbnbs anymore. Like I'm 
pro hotel for like small group or solo travel. Um, I feel like it's a lot more economical and usually it's like more fun. (laughs) I saw this meme that was like at a hotel, like the hotel people say, check out by 11, but if you can't, no problem. And Airbnb, it's like, check out by 9am and do all of my chores for me or something like that. (laughs) Don't pay a cleaning fee. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's how I feel about it. I mostly just stay in hotels now. And there was this, at, at a certain point I was like, I'm just staying in strangers homes like they're, they're always so, so weird they're so <laughs> sterile it's like all like home goods and target like bedding yeah. and the, it's just like sterile with no life and I guess yeah. it doesn't matter because it's like you're not technically spending a lot of time there but I also right. feel like if you're all if you are staying there like you want to spend time there and like feel homey yeah it's not most of them yeah, aren't. it's a not lot of the homey and then also it's like Anybody could walk into this house right now. Like, I have no idea. I have no context for, like, who this house belongs to, who has stayed here before. It's just, it started, like, creeping me out. I don't know. I, yeah. My grandma used to say that all the time. So I'm getting ready to go to Galena, Illinois this weekend for a family trip. We go there every fall. And when my grandma was alive, we'd always, it's an Airbnb situation. And she was like, these people are going to come home any minute. Like, is it okay for us to be here and use their pots and pans? And I was like, yes, grandma, it's, it's fine. Is it okay she's like, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, are you staying like, in one okay, this weekend? Grandma, go to bed. <laughs> huh? Are you staying in one this weekend? I am. Yes. I'm saying, but it's a very, it's cozy and it's mm. decorated in a very expensive way. Like shockingly, like, why are you putting this nice of stuff in this house? Because people are animals, um, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'll yeah. It. Yeah. I will say if it's, if the owner has put a lot of thought into it, it can be really nice to stay in Airbnbs. But yeah, I feel like at this point, there are just like people buying up 20 and 30 properties. And like you said, Allie, just kind of throwing random target shit. <laughs> in there and like it's not homey it happens it happens a lot so i live in i live in a neighborhood that's right adjacent to wrigley field um so it's called like southport corridor but it's essentially wrigleyville and like everywhere especially in the summer like there's a lot of airbnbs and there's this place like down the street from me and it's uh, one of the garden units and all the windows are always open so every time i walk by there like last week i walked by there and it was like empty but it was fully set up like it looks like a staged property. And I was like, oh, this oh. is probably an Airbnb that's used yeah. during the summer when pe- folks come and go to Cubs games. Um, and it looked like it's so generic. Like it had that target painting of like, or paint, it had that target print of like that bison. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking oh about? Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, I know exactly the one you're yes. talking about. Yeah, it's like yeah. all that basic stuff. And the it's funny thing about- good looking print. It's not, it's, it's exactly. none of the stuff matches. And I'm like, that bed's probably not very comfortable, first of all. And if you stay in an Airbnb, like the utility also used to be like home away from home, like making group dinners, like blah, blah, blah. There's never anything in the kitchen. You have to buy the salt and pepper. You have to buy the, the salt olive and pepper oil. is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh. I'm like, why am I buying full-size like seasonings and spices that are like $8.99 and then I can't even yes. travel home with them? So, yeah. Yes. I don't know. I'm getting into the so annoying. Give me a goddamn spice rack. If you're going to have an Airbnb, give me a spice rack. Yeah. Something. Throw me a bone. Yeah. Anyways. Enough about Airbnb. What else is going on? We have to talk about these AI chatbots that Meta rolled out this week because it's dystopian and weird, and I want to talk about it. 
I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan either. First of all, for people listening who may not be familiar, let's give them a a little bit of context. I am one of those people. (laughs) So they rolled (laughs) out these AI chatbots and have been licensing the likeness of certain celebrities. Like, so you can chat with, I think, like Kendall Jenner has licensed her image um, and her likeness. Tom Brady. Um, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Paris Hilton, and you Mr. Beast. can like chat with them as if they are, are they supposed to be themselves or are they supposed no, to be no. characters? No, other names. So like Kendall Jenner is your sis, Billy. So she's, she's supposed to be like your sister. That's yeah, the so descriptions weird. are on that meta like developer page. The descriptions like Kendall Jenner as Billy, no BS ride or die companion. Tom Brady as Brew, wise cracking sports debater who pulls no punches. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So here's the rub. They got $5 million for licensing their likeness for two years, right? So you got two years, people out there to get real cozy with these fake AI individuals. And then what? They're going to go away and we're all going to be like, oh, well, that was weird. And now I miss my friend. I miss my sis, Billy, but she... Her licensing deal ran out. Doesn't that, I mean, this just seems like an episode of Black Mirror, which yeah, I've been people, told there is one that's very similar. It, are people hurting f- like that much for like social interaction? Like, do people, I think so. Do people connect with this to that extent? I think so. I mean, because I feel like I in so one too. of our earlier episodes, we talked about the AI girlfriend chat mm-hmm. bots and stuff that are out there that are like making a ton of money because people just like, want that so badly and I just remember us talking about how like is this going to make us all lonelier because yeah you think you're connecting but you're really not it's an um, illusion yeah it's pretty it makes me pretty sad yeah I don't I don't I don't like where that's going it just oh. it reminds me of the movie her you know where he, there's this fake yeah person that he's interacting with and he's so connected to her and it's this, but in real life. And yeah. Well, all of this it's too. low risk too. It's low risk. Like you don't have to put yourself out there to another person. Yeah. The thing that's funny to me, not funny, uh, actually kind of scary is like all of this too is like very elaborate data collection. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of people sharing a lot of things with essentially meta. Like the, yeah. it's meta is all of yeah. this. Yeah. Is them collecting data. I don't know what they're going to do with it or how they would sort through it, but like the more you talk with these people, the more you like share with people, quote unquote people. Um, yeah. Man, that's weird. I'm freaked yeah. out. <laughs> that part is pretty terrifying. And it's just like, uh, Kaylee mentioned the black mirror episode. Cause there is a black mirror episode a few seasons back where her husband dies and she has AI trained on like, all of his voice and like videos mm. and basically everything that made him him. She has this AI trained um, so that she can still talk to him. Um, and then at a certain point there ends up being like, you can have a body attached to it as well. That looks like him. And it, this whole journey of like, at first it's really, really comforting because she's grieving and she's lonely. Um, but then it just slowly is like, this isn't really him. Like, it's never going to be him. The thing that mm-hmm. made him him, you just you can't train an AI on that. And so right. then it's like the oh slow God. descent into, like, 
actually, this is really terrible and I want to get rid of this thing. And now I can't. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a Ray Bradbury story based on that too that was written decades ago. But now it's a thing in real life. And it's just like, oh, man. Yeah. I don't know how healthy or helpful this is. This, yeah. Um, this is giving me like the same vibes, sim- similar vibes to when we had that conversation about, um, I think it was, was it Kick? The... Um, Adrenaline blocker product. Oh, oh yeah. It's about like those feelings. There is some utility to them. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if someone passes, grief is one of the worst things you'll ever feel. But like you, like it's part of the human condition mm-hmm. is like walking through a lot of these emotions. And some of them are signals that you need to seek help or you need to go through a certain experience or it's just like one of the darker chapters of your life. And to continue to, put that off or like put a bandaid over it or mm-hmm. avoid it altogether. Like there's, it, it's, there's no good outcome to that. Like avoiding the grief of losing her husband. I'm thinking like, like you said, it, there's going to be another side of that. Like that's, there's yeah. going to be something that comes from that. That's even worse than what you would have originally experienced. So to me, it's just like, we continue to put band-aids over these like normal human, like elements of yeah. being a human. Yeah. Well, and it fundamentally changes what reality is because this is a thing in front of you that's real and it's using all the same inputs, but it's different. And so how do we, I don't know, it just raises a lot of questions for me. And I feel like um, it's one of those things where it's like, get in there, break stuff, apologize later rather than asking for permission, which is how all tech emerges and evolves. We know this, but... At the same time, it's like, oh man, Pandora's box. We can't go back. I know. I don't know. It's it's really terrifying, especially just thinking about like, you know, my sister who is thirteen. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. As she starts interacting more with this type of technology, and like that becomes more and more normal. Like, what does that look like for her? As far as mm-hmm. like developing social skills and having to actually sit with boredom and emotions and and all that, um, yeah, it's well, yeah, know. and the like the finite time span of a lifetime, you know, like we have a start point, we have an end point, and when you prolong the end point, it changes uh, like your perception of oh, I only have this little amount of time to spend here on planet Earth. I need to make the most of it. When there's this after effect, it's like, oh, well, I guess I could have my AI do that later. Again, like all these weird <laughs> yeah. ripple yeah. effects, you yeah. know, of, of what does it mean to be a human? It, yeah, Even though it's not a human, it changes the meaning for us as, I don't know, mortal beings, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I thinking know. about like, I, it also creates this semblance of control or like having mm. full... Yeah, full control over your life and your emotions. Like I know there's been a lot of discussion around uh, instant gratification for the last like decade or so with social media, having something to distract you, to make you feel like you're not bored, to like give you entertainment. Um, And now I'm thinking like, if you feel lonely, hit a button, talk to a robot. Like in the past, it was go outside, (laughs) talk to a stranger, Mm -hmm. meet people Mm -hmm. that are different than you, widen your horizons, learn something new, become an open-minded person, interact with society. Like none of those are 
you have to really push yourself to do that now. Like those yeah. are not usually the first line of defense against loneliness. Now it's like, yeah. go online, look at other people, talk to a, a robot, I guess now. Yeah. 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 And this whole concept of like online avatars, having this very separate version of yourself that you can develop and launch online and live this whole other life, mm-hmm. which again is like, this has so many layers to it, but I, I wanted to touch on it briefly because it is so strange and it feels very much like capital F future shit. So yeah, yeah it's just really, really weird, really weird. Um, but anyways, moving on. Um, so what have we learned lately and what questions does it raise? Does anybody have one they want to start with? There's some interesting stuff in here. Allie, I, I think, did you put those this in here about uh, friendship? I did. I was on Instagram last night and I saw um, this video about this article. It was just somebody on my um, reels was talking about the article. But I looked up the original article and it's an Atlantic article titled... Should I say the word article one more time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my game. I'm about to make you put money in the in the work jar if you say it too much. <laughs> oh God, not that kind of article. Um, it's called "What Adults Forget About Friendship," and it's actually quite an interesting essay. And the guy on Instagram was talking about how, like, as kids, and he was paraphrasing and paraphrasing in his own way. And I I pulled some of my own elements out of it, but his his summary was like would childhood whimsy and approaching friendships as adults like we did as kids solve a lot of, you know, everyone's talking about how adult friendships are so hard. And I I Mm -hmm. think it's been that way for a very, very long time, but there's something about our generation making friends as adults that everyone's like, they're aligned and that it's difficult, but nobody knows what to do about it. So I've, I've really been like paying closer attention to a lot of the chatter about this, like all the groups, like all of the Facebook groups and the organizations and things that pop up just trying to solve for this. Never thought about it like this though. Like as a kid, how careless and imaginative and spontaneous and crazy and weird we were and how it was, that's all that mattered was like making friends. And I read the article and it was a lot about how like childhood is all about making friends. Like everything about our lives as kids is set up around social experiences. Like there's a quote I wrote down, like little matters more in a child's development than making and maintaining friendships. It's practically the job of childhood and adolescence. And There's a lot about this that reminds me, first point that came out in my head was why I think homeschooling is a really big mistake. So I wanted to start there with you all. Maybe it's a little bit of a pivot, but what do you guys think about that? There's been a lot of chatter about like schooling kids at home. There's a lot of like protective measures people take, but I think it removes a huge element of socialization and friendship and only makes it harder when you get older. Yeah. So what do you all think about that? I would I agree with true. that. Okay. Um, yeah. I I have not known many people who were homeschooled, so I guess I don't I know was. the others. You were? Were you? For just a year. But yeah, I was. Interesting. Oh, okay. huh. Yeah. What I year? went fourth grade. It was awful. Okay. Why? <laughs> yeah. Say more. Um, well, so I went to five schools in six years when I was a kid. It's, and I like looking back at why I struggle with friendship so much now, I think that's a huge part of it. Like very developmental mm-hmm. years, like through elementary school and middle school, I just switched schools a lot, um, all in the same town. But like my family was just switching things up. Um, homeschooling was one of those 
experiences and it was just really isolating. Like, I think I was too young to even understand what isolation was, but like everything about school, whether it's public, private, Catholic, whatever, it's all set up to like really help foster those connections and really help you get out of your comfort zone, whether it's a classroom, public speaking, schools, or uh, sports, clubs, all that stuff. Like that's the whole, like that's school by design. I mean, my husband's an elementary school teacher and he talks about all that stuff all the time. Like it's very intentional. And that year was like a blank space for me socially. Mm, So I just think at scale, homeschooling for 12 years or eight years and then going to high school. Like, I just think it's a total mistake. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's tricky because I feel like if you are, if you're academically a certain type of person, it can be very well suited to you because you can go at a pace that's more appropriate for you. Whereas in, especially like a public school setting, which I went to, I did not go to a private school or anything fancy. Um, but sometimes you feel a little bit held back. And, and when I was a kid, there was programs like like a talented and gifted thing where they would pull you out for part of the school day and you'd go and do kind of more advanced stuff for a little bit of the day, but come back. And then that was kind of a creative workaround that worked. However, I think you're right. I think the social aspect of understanding how to be in the world and interact with other people is really critical. And I think it starts really young. So I was somebody who started going to daycare at age three. And so was always around other little kids. Those friendships carried over into grade school because we were always in the same town. We didn't move away or anything, but that was, that made going to school a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. And I think even just the slight difference of my brother going to an in-home daycare when he was a tiny person and then going into daycare a little bit later, that was a really hard shift for him. And yeah. whereas it was something I always enjoyed, I looked forward to like going and playing with my friends and being there all day. He really had a lot of separation anxiety about it and was so used to that more like small pod of people that it was a really difficult transition. And I think that's probably the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I definitely understand like the emphasis on academic, like fostering academics when you're in school, because that's kind of the point of school. Mm-hmm. But I don't think like academics and like I don't think that carries as much weight as people think it does. Like I was a 4.0 student. I had a full ride to college. I had like an incredibly good ACT score and like literally none of it matters. Like none of it matters. That doesn't help me make new friends. That doesn't help me deal with tough situations or like pivot through tough stuff at work. I mean, Uh sure, it helped me get a good job. Like I don't have any debt. Like those are all pluses. But like when I'm thinking about the utility of a school environment for 12 years... I would I would argue that socialization is almost just as important as academic uh, yeah. rigor. Yeah, so. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I want to hear about this in the context of like how do you find that now in your yeah. life? So this idea of whimsy and like how we form friendships as a kid, how do you do that now as an adult? Yeah, I, I wrote down this quote like. It's the quote was like, it's important to preserve young kids' overarching approach to friendship. Keep one another company for large stretches of time without a present or a preset agenda. And I was the essay is so interesting because it talks about how, like, as adults, we do like dinner dates and dinner parties and like running errands or like catching up while your kids play on the playground. But there's always this like, social norm that comes with it of like, what do I wear? Like if we get pictures for Instagram and like prove that we were doing something Uh, social, like there's always like a, 
onus that you put on it that makes it something more than what it is. And I feel like that's probably the first step is just like being together without an agenda. But I I think that's really hard because like life is happening around you and you have to have like a start time and end time. And like, I I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I talk about this all the time because as soon as you put this on here and I, I read a little bit of it, it reminded me of, I always talk about how in college, it was like the perfect environment for fostering new friendships because I think about my group of friends in college and it was, we would just hang out for hours and hours in somebody's living room, just doing nothing, playing Guitar Hero, watching a movie, like running back and forth, getting food and stuff. Like it just was absolutely, you just weren't doing anything. But over those like four or five hours or whatever, like you talk about anything and everything. You mm-hmm. get to know each other's sense of humor. Like you, it just is such an interesting, fun part of that time of life. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like I wish that was possible now, but it's like, is that even possible? Like, yeah, I don't know. It sucks. It was interesting you say that about like the in-between moments because that was another theme of the essay. It was like, the, the writer was talking about a dinner party that she had gone to and how it was like, it definitely like checked the box of like, I spent time with my friends, but like she's a, the best part of that night for me. It was when we were cleaning up, we cleared the yeah. table, cleaned the dishes because those are the in-between moments. Those yeah. are the times where no one's trying to do anything, but just exist and they're doing yeah. life. And then you just have conversation over the sink when someone's washing and someone's drying and someone's cleaning the countertop. Yeah. And like that to me, it reminds me of, college was okay for me, but after college, I lived with two friends and every weekend, Thursday night on the dot, multiple people would come and just stay at the house with us the whole weekend. And we would just Mm -hmm. live and do life together. And we may have had an event going on and we'd go out to the bars, but like the rest of it was like, Hey, I'm going to go to the grocery. You want to come with me? Then it's like, that doesn't happen anymore unless you're with your partner, which is also nice. Right. But like, I don't know. It, It also reminds me of like, there was this video on Instagram I saw that was like, who is the friend that you have that you can sit on the couch together and say nothing? Like that Mm. is a good friend. And like, that's what reminds me of this is like those people you can have where you can sit in silence. I think that's the closest I can probably relate to now is like, come over and sit with me. We'll figure out what we're going to do later. Right. That is always how I describe like, that is my ideal friendship because it does mean that you have at least a certain level of intimacy where silence is comfortable and there's no Mm -hmm. pressure to like constantly be doing something or have to eventize it every time or anything like that. Like that is ideal. And you just don't get that as an adult, especially at first. And it's just... Well, and with social media too, because you can look somebody up and know everything about them before you even meet. And so you don't have this discovery process of like, Mm -hmm. what do you like? And what have you been up to? It's like, oh, it's all there. You know, there's no mystery. Yeah. 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 uh, The last... I, I will encourage everyone who listens to this to find this article. Again, the title is Childhood Friendship. Well, no, what adults can learn from childhood friendship. But the last part that I wanted to talk about was there's a section about um, like the creativity in friendship. And the quote reads, after analyzing more than a decade's worth of recorded conversations between children and their friends, 
Parker, who was the one of the uh, scientists behind this, noticed a common dynamic. If one kid introduces an unexpected idea, the other must riff to make it work. Doing this with a new playmate is a high-risk strategy, but when your ideas mesh, you get to invent something new. Spending so much creative time together can produce intense ties. And it reminded me of like my improv friends. Like I've mm-hmm. only known them for like eight months, and I would say they're some of my most trusted friends. I don't talk to them really? every day. Not, I'm not connected on Instagram with half of them. But like when we get together, I am like immediately relaxed. Like I am just like present and there's no pressure to do anything because we have like such trust from playing together. And that's what they call class. Mm -hmm. Like improv class is just playing games together. And you have to like pick each other up. Like that's the whole yes and concept is like when you put Mm -hmm. something out there, they have to catch you and they have to like riff with you. And sure, it's through the guise of like improv and comedy, but I, I don't even know how you'd emulate this elsewhere. Like maybe at work, but even then there's like the pressure of doing a job that you're getting paid for. So I don't even know right. where else you'd find that creative companionship. Yeah. I sometimes have found it at work because okay. I think, uh, like I just am very much like I'm a team person. And so like, I like the idea of being on a team and like being part of a thing. And like you said, like, having each other's back and riffing off of each other. And you don't have that with everybody at work, but if that's kind of your attitude, I feel like it's easy to find those people. Um, yeah. And it has been easy for me to find that at work as an adult versus just like trying to do things to meet new people. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have found Which it at work. very scary to put yourself out there like, I'm going to go to this class where I know no one. Um, yeah. I do have a practical piece of advice for that, though. So my sophomore year of college, I was a commuter student, and I lived at home because I had transferred schools, and so I wasn't getting that I live on campus experience of, like, I run into people, and I have roommates, and I have these shared in-between moments where I can build friendships. So I was very strategic about, I got to make some friendships here. I have to build some roots for myself. So I would go to my classes every time and I would take a plastic bag of candy with me. And so whoever I sat next to that day in class, I'd take out the bag of candy and I'd be like, oh, hey, do you want a piece of candy? And then that would be the conversation starter. Again, you probably shouldn't take stranger candy. But in this situation, it was usually nine times out of 10 worked very well. But it was like, Oh yeah, I love a Snickers. Like, and then you get to talking, and like yeah. you've, you, it's a good bridge. It's a good conversation starter. So it's pretty, it's pretty brilliant. That it's is like, nice. It's a pack of gum thing, you know, or like a pack of cigarettes. Whatever people do yeah. this all the time, but it's that bridge of like, yeah. Otherwise, we're sitting in our individual chairs and we're not talking to each other. It's like, a, oh, I have something you want. I'll, I'll share with you. We can, and then it is a spark. It's something yeah. to work with. Yeah, totally. So yeah strategic tactic there. If you're like, I would like to do this, but I don't know how. Take a bag of candy. (laughs) Offer strangers candy out of your van. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Signed, Kaylee Moore. (laughs) Great. Perfect. Endorsed. I'm telling you, you guys. (laughs) It works so well. Well, Kaylee, you just joined a community. I did. Tell us about this. transition. So I didn't discover it. Uh, Brandon, my husband, found it. But it's this, it's like online and offline salons. So salons as in the concept of 
in 1920s Paris, like people would get together, artists would get together and discuss their work and their ideas and what they were writing or painting, whatever. So it's called Interintellect. Um, and it's all of these salons where you can either go and if there's a, like there's one in Austin coming up, I think on the 18th, they just get together and they discuss a topic. So someone speaks, but it's more of a, here's the theme of the conversation. And then at the end, it's people discuss what they felt or learned or, you know, what other thoughts they had about the the topic that was presented. There's also an online discord that goes with it, but it's just a really, it's not a, it's not like a traditional online course where it's like, how did 10 extra revenue? It's like, for example, there was an astrophysicist in there earlier today who's like, I'd like to do a Q&A where I talk about the 10 years I've spent working as an astrophysicist and people can come and ask me questions um, and I'll try to describe things in layman terms. And, you know, if people are just curious about this thing, it's something I can talk about and I'd be happy to kind of open myself up as a resource. So it's it's creating an environment where those types of conversations can happen. And again, this feels like a very natural fit because you can start in the online context and then even move offline and go to you know, a local gathering in one of these cities where they have one. Um, but it's new. I haven't been to my first salon yet. I've signed up for one. It's coming up. I will report back. But it just seemed like a really, I don't know, interesting way to kind of tackle this how do I develop new adult friendships type of thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. The word salon is so badass. It's I great, feel like that's right? so cool. It's very cool. It has a very cool vibe. Is there one in Chicago? Or are you going to come in town for it? Um, if there is, I will come. I don't see any on the calendar right now, but I will keep my eyes peeled. So cool. I want to hear but more. Yeah, they have them in, in Portugal, in in London, all over the U.S., and they are pretty frequent too. So I I just like that it's not a lecture. You know, it's not a sit down and listen to somebody drone on for an hour. It's I'm going to open myself up for questions because I know about this thing, this very mm-hmm. unique thing. Or I've been thinking a lot about X topic. Let's get together and discuss. Um, so yeah, that's so cool. cool. I'm excited for that. Um, and this is this is kind of a nice bridge to the one other thing that I learned lately that I thought was interesting. So I've been reading about the philosopher Montaigne lately, and he has this practice where anytime he feels kind of stale in his own life or like feeling judgy about, oh, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that, he will go and learn the customs and behaviors of wildly different cultures. So like the cannibals are the example they use in the book that I'm reading. Um, and, you know, you read about cannibalism and tribes that practice this, and it's like, oh, God, this is so barbaric. But in the context of their um, situation, it's it's natural for them. This is their day-to-day. So this idea of getting outside of your own bubble to remember and remind yourself that there's no one way to do life correctly. You have a lot of options on the table. I think that's really refreshing. And again, that's kind of what I'm hoping to accomplish with this uh, community that I joined. But do you guys have any sort of practice where you do that? Like if you're feeling a certain way, like something that you'll look into that reminds you, or that's a good um, like palate cleanser, I guess, for your brain. Do you have anything like that? Um. I wouldn't say I have like a dedicated practice, but it is quite interesting to spend time being incredibly open-minded to people that are so different than you. Like, I, I think people Traveling. have long, Yes. But even yeah. just sitting and just thinking like, huh, I wonder where they come from. Like, if we all are so similar at the end of the day, right? Like, even today, like, we've all agreed it's hard to make adult friendships. I would, mm-hmm. I would guess if I walked outside, I don't know why I'm looking outside. It's my backyard. <laughs> Um, 
And I asked like 20 women if they found it hard to make new friends. I bet you everyone would agree with me. But we're all scared mm-hmm. to make new friends. So like, yeah. I, I find it so interesting that we're all so similar, but we're all so judgmental. So mm-hmm. sometimes, usually it's when I've taken an edible and it's just like the world makes sense to me. <laughs> of but course, sometimes I'll course. lay there and I'm like, huh. And I put myself <laughs> in someone else's shoes. And I'm like- Which you can do so well in that state. That's it. I have to, I have, to have that threshold. It doesn't happen all the time. Magical empathy. <laughs> yes. But just exploring, like going down that mental path of like, this clicks for me. Like, no, mm-hmm. I couldn't live like this, but I understand where they're but coming I get from. It. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yes, traveling opens that door. Reading opens that door all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you can live a million lives through books sure. and all that stuff. So or documentaries or movies, yes. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Our favorite topic. <laughs> it always comes back to the, the pop culture, the books and the movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Krista, what about you? Do you have anything that you do to kind of like shake yourself loose if you feel like you're in a rut? Not really, not really, no. But it is interesting how true that is, like just across the board. And it immediately made me think of like, um, like when it comes to like LGBTQ stuff and being from the South, like you truly can see such a difference in the way people treat you or their like attitude toward you. Um, like a person from my hometown who travels a lot and does open themselves up to other like cultures and stuff versus someone who I know has like probably never left our hometown or Louisiana at all. Um, there's such a difference in Mm -hmm. not only the way they like approach topics like that, but just like just the way their personality is in general. It is a very bizarre thing that you can see so, so clearly. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely like agree that that's a hundred percent true, but I don't think that I have any sort of like ritual that I go to um, on a regular basis. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense though. Yeah. It's like, how do you be a better citizen of the world instead of just staying in your lane? And it's, there's a lot of ways you can do it, but um, so what are we watching, reading, loving right now? Who wants to go first here? We've got some good stuff today. Mm, I feel like you, Kaylee, have a pretty interesting okay. thing. So I have not read I've not read Hillary Burton's other book, The Royal Diaries, but I'm reading her new one called Grimoire Girl. It's kind of like a grimoire is traditionally like this witchy spell book where you write down spells and wisdom and things like that to pass on to other women or to your daughter or whatever it is. Um, and as the book itself is not entirely my cup of tea, but there's some good nuggets in there. And I love this idea of she's basically talking about her version of grimoire is like a mixed media notebook. She says she uses a sketchbook and she puts down things that she's learned, things that she's thinking about images, um, things that are basically insightful to her and that she's got something from and that uh, she wants to remember. And so it's kind of creating this like mixed media scrapbook in a way in a very non-traditional scrapbooky way. So I have started trying this just as, as early as last night when got my new sketchbook and took a couple of magazines that I'd been reading um, and have started cutting things out that have jumped out to me or that I'm like, Oh, that's a good piece of wisdom. I want to refer back to that later. And I'm building out a page at a time. So in a way it'll probably 
I see it being like a month at a time for a page build, but basically what am I reading right now? And what does it make me think about? Um, what are the things that are like heavy on my mind? These are hockey jerseys. Hey, Austin. <laughs> my husband's What's joining up? us. Friend of the pod. <laughs> Friend of the pod. Austin. Here he is. Um, so yeah, it's like a, I don't know. It's a, I've never been a good journaler. I'm not good at sitting down and writing my thoughts. Oh, oh, got a little smooge. Oh, oh my goodness. Austin. <laughs> little Bubba. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting, Kaylee. PDA. PDA moment. The laundry um, is in my office. I love that so much. I want to revive it's great. It's scrapbooking fun. as like a hobby. Like my mom used to be like a huge scrapbooker and it's like so physical, right? And like everything's so digital now, but like I love snail mail. I print pictures. I post pictures all over. Yes. I post pictures all over my apartment. So like the thought of documenting how I feel right now for if I have a child going through my twenties, like I would love to do that. Cause I feel like once you get to like the older years, you're so focused on what you Yeah. You're like, this is all the things I've learned. Like don't make the same mistakes as me. But they're gonna, they're gonna do yeah. it. Right. They're gonna fuck up. Yeah. So like, why That's not relate ambiguous. to them? Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Allie, so it's, it's a like little, a snapshot of the brain. It's a little uh, how I met your mother. Is it? Like, a little I bit. Know. It's like having kind of all of your oh. stories, like all of yes. your, you know, who you were during those years. Like, yeah, that's yeah, totally I how that. I would love to have known how my parents navigated their 20s. Oh, love my it. gosh. I'm sure I could ask Me them. Too. But, like, it, it hasn't yeah. been a forthcoming topic. Usually it's like, right. here's yeah. all the things I wish I didn't do. And I'm like, but you did. Like, let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Like, that's yeah. just yeah. as like, enlightening as, like, the lesson that comes out of it. Right. You know? And this is even more concrete than a vision board, you know? It's not just mm-hmm. pretty pictures and quotes and things that are aspirational. It's like oh, that quote from a book I just read was really, it really stuck with me. And so I want to put that down. And so then I have it and it's not just in a file folder in my brain somewhere. It's literally on this page. I can flip back to this and think, oh, in October of 2023, I was thinking about this and this and I had just finished this book and this really, you know, again, it's like a mental snapshot because otherwise it just fades into the ether of my brain. I know. Yeah. Yeah, So that's fun. I... (laughs) I would love to know the things that like my mom just loved in her twenties. It didn't have to have any utility to it. Like it didn't have to teach Mm -hmm. her anything. Just the stuff that was like, I liked that. Like that was Mm -hmm. good to me. That would have been cool. Exactly. So that's mine. I like that. Krista, what about you? Um, what do you mean? What about me? Do I do this? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you loving? Oh, oh. Um scrapbooking. (laughs) I am not scrapbooking, but that does sound like really appealing and i really liked uh seeing kaylee's like first page that she posted on twitter oh yes i put it on twitter so mm. i'll have to link yeah to that yeah go look at it my and, first page work in progress and i just really want to read this book because i love hillary burton and i loved her first book so that is also i would i would recommend that but um so i have been reading <laughs> something that's a little bit depressing i guess but it's the five regrets of the dying um, and it is this, um, like, um, hospice care worker. She, um, she's like recounting kind of like the top five themes that she's heard from her dying patients over the years. And it like always comes back to these same five things. And I just think it's really fascinating. Um, okay. I, I want to read them. Yes. What? I was going to ask you, I think I've heard about this. I think I know one of them. So go. Okay. 
I'm going to read, I'm going to read the five and then I want you to tell me like which one you think you would be like most, I don't know, like at risk of, of having. Okay. So okay. the, the number one regret. Can I, I wish guess? I'd, yeah, please. I wish I hadn't worked as much. Ooh. Okay. Stay tuned. Okay. No, but stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, Kaylee, do you have a guess? I think it's number one. I think it's, I wish I would have lived the life I really wanted for myself. Bingo. So regret number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. (laughs) Regret two, Allie, I wish I hadn't. Why is the balloon just pop up? (laughs) What is that? <laughs> Krista, nobody pushed anything. If you're wondering why we're freaking out right now, Krista just read that number one regret and the freaking Riverside recording threw up balloons all over her face, like overlaid oh balloons. God. I'm not going to lie. That scared what? me. I'm that like, scared that's me. Scary. I'm like shook. I'm a little Sorry, shook right now. Sorry, let me get my witch wand away. I probably did. Oh, my God. It's October. I'm like sweating. Okay. Uh, regret number two, Allie, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Um, regret number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Regret number four, taking it back to our early conversation, our earlier conversation, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And then regret number five, I wish I'd let myself be happier. Um, God. Yeah. So it sounds like really bleak, but the stories, I'm, I'm not too far into it yet, but the stories I've read so far, like, I don't know. It's just like so touching to hear these things <coughs> <laughs> as Kaylee <laughs> coughs up a lot. <laughs> Sorry. I thought I muted. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Number six, so I wish um, I hadn't coughed on our podcast. Yeah, number six, I wish I would muted my mic. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but it's like, it's very like humbling, I think, to, to read these people's thoughts and their feelings. And, and it's also cool to see how the author kind of then like internalized those things and how those stories has like changed that person's life. Um, so I don't know. I, it's definitely a topic that I've been thinking about a lot over the past like year and a half. Um, so I really enjoy it. It might be a little too bleak for other people, but I don't know. I just think it's so interesting that like out of all the patients and all the conversations this person has had, um, like these five things just kept coming up, kept coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, I, I really So the thing I thought I knew was a version of that. It wasn't exactly that, but it was basically um, people on their deathbed, they always talk about this um, parallel version of their life that they've dreamed up and imagined for themselves in their head. And on their deathbed, they're like, man, I wish I would have lived that version of my life that I imagined and was so idyllic for me. So it's a version of that. Um, yeah, basically getting to the end of your life and being like, oh, I, I see that possible trajectory. And like, why didn't I take that path? Yeah. Because the path I stayed on wasn't fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty um, much the first one because the story 
this, the woman's story in the first one, the, like, I wish I'd lived the life that was true to myself. It's that same thing. Like she had this like idyllic life that she wanted and she just put it aside because of like her family's needs that she thought they needed and like what she thought people might think about her if she took this other path. Um, yeah. And then at the end it was like, actually now don't give a shit what people think and it's too late. Um, which is just so, man, it's just so like, uh, eye opening or, or or something to, to hear that. It's so interesting. Cause like I've, I've heard that list before. Um, every time I want to judge somebody for the decisions that they make, I tell myself that they're trying to do number one. Yeah. Mm. That it's none of my business. Yeah. And I hope yeah. that like the more decisions I make that people don't understand that some sometime that they'll understand I'm just doing number one. Cause I'm definitely, yeah. a vi- I'm definitely doing number two mm-hmm. right now for sure. Like I, yeah. I can't do this for the rest of my life. There's a mean, it's a means to an end for sure. Um, and David, Alex and I are all aligned on that, but like, man, I, I, I can see number two for sure, especially for men. Um, but, but that's tough because you're in the, you're in the weeds. You're like, it's my family. I'm providing, I have goals, I have dreams. Like yeah. how do you, how do you weigh that out? Yes. And when you get in the mode of number two of working a ton and getting a lot from that, it's so hard to turn off Yeah, because then you're constantly like, well, that, cause that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, I have been working so hard for the past 10 years. I can't yeah. flip a switch and then suddenly be able to chill. I'm over here like, oh God, there's so many things I should be doing, like people I should be following up with. I've got to pick this back up eventually. So this feels like a brief interlude and I'm just going to be right back to where I was before. It's so hard to get out of that mode once you're in it. Yeah. 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 It is. Mm. It is. It's um, tough. It's a good, it's a good yeah. topic though. It's a, it's I know. A good, it's um, important. Good reminder. Yeah. Good, yeah. Uh, perspective shifter. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm reading, and I've read this book many times, uh, Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Don't know if you guys know who that is. She wrote Wild. Wild. Yep. Mm -hmm. She hiked the Pacific Crest Trail by herself in 1995. I think she was 26 years old, fresh out of a divorce. She wrote, uh, or she she wrote a column called Dear Sugar. I don't know what it was in, but she, the book Tiny Beautiful Things compiles like all of her. Uh, letters and her answers to those letters. And it's my bedside table book. I I Mm. keep it right next to my bed all the time. And it's like, sometimes I'll just like open it and like flip to a page and just start that letter. Every single one is somehow, like it's somehow hit me. Even if it's written by a man, even if it's about a life experience I have no experience in. She's Mm. just phenomenal. The way she answers the questions and like how, because she never, the funny thing is a lot of like the questions or advice that people seek, she doesn't really answer them. She gives the person the tools to answer them themselves. Mm. So it's like a very, she just has a very interesting writing style. I just really love it. Have you guys ever read it? it Is it letters that people or questions that people have posed to her and then her responses? She is basically an advice column. 
So they write her letters. Some of them are super long. Some of them are super short about all kinds of stuff like breakups. Should I have kids? Should I get married? Like my husband's mom is abusive, like stuff like that. Some of it's pretty heavy, but I bookmarked like my favorite letters and how she's answered them. And like, I, I can't put a finger on it, but just something about the way that she writes and how she talks and how she advises is like so different than anything else I've ever read. Uh, but nice. I picked it back up a couple of nights ago. Some of it's really familiar. I've read it like probably seven times through, um, but it never gets old. So. I love that. I'm going to have to check that out. It's a yeah. good one. I have. I feel seen... like these are all kind of related books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. There's a common a little, Yeah, there's like a, a little thread. Um, I've seen the like the play of that. It came okay. through Austin. Um, there's a play? There's a play, and there's also a Hulu show that I have not watched. Oh, that's Tiny Perfect Things. No, it's Tiny. <laughs> I feel like there are so many shows that are like little, beautiful, tiny things. <laughs> objects. <laughs> there's a show? So sharp objects. It's, yeah, with freaking, uh, what's her face? Um, what? Oh, my God. Who is that, like, hot? Catherine Hahn. Yes, Catherine Hahn. Is she hot? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I I'm talking about. Have you seen Step Brothers? So hot. <laughs> I have seen Step Brothers. She's not hot in that. She, she is like the older she gets, man. She's hot she, in Parks and Rec. She is hot in yeah. Parks She's and so Rec. She's so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to cry. I don't know if I should watch this. I think I want to keep the book in a very special part of my brain. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a risk. It's a risk. All right. I All right. I want to read the book now, though. But I also want to you read should. like your copy that you have your favorite March yes, copy. I'll send it to you guys. I've highlighted. Oh my sisterhood of the traveling pants. That shit. Please, yeah, snail mail. We send should it do that. Oh, we should start an off the clock, off the clock book club. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> off the clock book club. Sorry, we had a little slip up there. Uh, no big deal. Anyways, I, lightning did round I miss with two to three. <laughs> you did. She forgot the L. Anyways, oh. lightning oh. round with two to three, <laughs> two to three fun questions, guys. Um, first of all, I do not want to be part of that book club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Leave noted. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Um, first question. What was your teenage bedroom like? Allie, stop giggling. You go first. <laughs> okay. Hard shift. All right. I have a couple <clears throat> excerpts. Number one, I couldn't decide between purple and blue, so I chose periwinkle, which the guy at Home Depot told me was the perfect blend. So my bedroom was periwinkle. There was approximately 357 posters of the Jonas Brothers. Wonderful. And I probably reorganized my room every three months. And by reorganized, I just moved the furniture to different walls, but it just revived my spirit. I had to keep zhuzhing it up. So that's all you need to know. This is one of the reasons I wanted to ask that question because I was exactly the same. Miss, I love novelty over here. So I was always rearranging, changing out the photos and the photographs. I wanted to see if that was something somebody else did. So I'm so glad to hear that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Nice. nice. What about you, Krista? Um, so I shared a room with my sister my whole life. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, sister set up and all like posters on the wall always. 
Um, that's really the only thing I feel like I changed out a lot was the posters. So it was. So what kind of posters? Boy bands. Um, <laughs> NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. When I was a little younger, it was Hanson. And there was like my Hanson phase. There was zero white space on the wall. It was just like completely wallpapered with Hanson. Um, so yeah, I was like huge into the boy band thing. Um, what else? Oh, huge CD collection was, I just like would sit in my room and like just listen to music and read magazines and Mm -hmm. that's all I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So mine changed a lot too. Um, at one point I had bunk bed situation with a futon on the bottom and the bunk bed on the top. I think it was my little brother's and eventually I was like, this is cool. I'll put it in my room. So I had that for a while and then I had a mattress on the floor. I was very into the mattress on the floor situation. Um, for a while it was very Christina Aguilera heavy because I was a major Christina Aguilera fan. But then it just became a shrine to my existence because it was the era of disposable cameras. <laughs> And so I just constantly had new photos to take to the every surface and to put in the picture frames and to, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of photos. So um, when it wasn't rearranged, it was, I think the color was like a light yellow of the walls for the most part. I painted it purple uh, when I was in college and I lived at home briefly. Um, but yeah, pretty... Pretty standard, sounds like. Did y'all do the thing um, where y'all would like? I didn't really have framed photos, but on mm-hmm. my like dresser and stuff, I would just like tape. Like, so I would. Oh, oh yeah. Of pictures double sided tape all over the place. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun. It was. Because then you could see yourself evolving too. Because especially when you're a teenager, you're, you look different every year. So it's like, yeah. Whoa, which version <laughs> am I? Um, so this is a nice transition to the next follow-up question. What was your proudest slash most special possession as a kid and why? Hmm. Um, There's got to be something that stands out. I think mine would have been what, – what what age are we talking? How Let's c- say sub-10. Sub oh, pre-10. Okay. Or that 12. 10 or 12. I feel like that's a child. Okay. So let's say – 10 to 12 would be middle school, early middle school. I would say um, probably my, like, I just kept every single note my friends and I would pass. So I just had this, like, giant box of notes. Um, Definitely that or my CD collection. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely also had a box of notes. Of course. Had to. And then I, I I had to throw them away eventually because I was like, this is so cringe. I hate it. So now they're gone. I wish I still had mine. Man, yeah. I know. Me too. Uh, what about you, know. Allie? <sighs> um, my iPod was like my everything. Um, God, I forget how much younger you are than I. <laughs> <laughs> it was an iPod. Uh, I'm not that much younger. Shut up. <laughs> 
But technology changed a lot in that short span of time. And I was I like, did, I did still have a CD collection in my car because I had a 2004 Mazda and it, it didn't have, it was like that weird in between where it, there wasn't a tape, a cassette player. Cause you, you know, the cassettes that had that, like the cord that you could connect yeah. to your phone. Oh yeah. yeah. Too new yes. for that. Not new enough for Bluetooth. So I had a whole, Ooh. like I probably had 200 CDs in my car in nice. high school. I would burn um, CDs. But my iPod, I think I had like 26,000 songs on it. Whoa. And like I would I would hang out on the weekends at home and like clean up my iTunes. <laughs> so I would like upload Dang. like album art. Like I could probably name songs based on the album art because like I just I just remember what all the albums look like for all of the music I used to listen to. Um that was probably my prized possession. Maybe my like swim trophies. I was on swim. Ooh, I was on swim team. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe one Talents. of those two things. Okay. I was trying to think of what mine was, and I think it probably is part of the reason I'm so excited to get into this mixed media journaling thing. I had kind of the same setup where it was very much more of a scrapbook where I would put some of the physical photos and then get the puffy paint out and you know make it a whole page with a theme or whatever, but. I had several of those that I worked on and I feel like I opened them up a lot and I would look at them because I was just like, this is so cool. Like, look at these memories and stuff like that. So yeah, that was probably mine. It was like a green two foot by one foot with a, like a, like craft paper inside that you could put photos on. So yeah. Um, final question. What is a talent or skill you have from childhood you never get to show off or use as an adult? What do we got here? Should I go first? Yeah. You go first. Miss Talented, apparently. I know. She's like, I want to tell everybody. <laughs> oh, can I go first? I am the talent. <laughs> um, it's not really, a, I wouldn't really call it a talent, but I don't, I don't get to use it very often, but I love trampolines. Like, I love to bounce on a trampoline. And I can do flips, and I did competitive gymnastics and trampoline for a while. So for one of my adult birthdays, when I was, like, turning 25 or some shit, we went to Sky Zone, and I was, like, in my element, just loving to bounce. So that's fine. I love to bounce. Perfect. <laughs> you can do flips. I don't know. Can you do flips? Can do flips. What's, like, the coolest yeah. trick you can do on a trampoline? Um, Like, that can't spring back tuck. Oh, okay. Doubles. So. Two flips. <laughs> Two flips. Oh, my gosh. What about you, Allie? Sorry, I had to burp. Um, um. That's just what you can come to expect of me. <laughs> I don't know. What are we talking about? Sounds, like sounds like you're a good swimmer. I was a very good swimmer. Weirdly enough, I <laughs> swam for 12 years and I was only part of the summer swim team. So I swam maybe six to eight weeks out of the year. And I was oh. consistently on the A relays with the kids that swim year round. Dang. Um, and then in high school, I swam for U of L. Okay. So I guess that's it. I don't really swim anymore. I wish I did. There's not a lot of like pools in the area. I thought about joining an adult swim team. In Chicago. Ooh, okay. Yeah. If I do that, I'll let you know, but not right cool. now. Then you get to show off your talent. <laughs> Krista, what about you? Um, I am, I'm pretty decent at basketball and I always have been because my 
cousin, Casey, he was quite a bit older than me. And so his mom would babysit me and he was on the basketball team in high school. And so he would like teach me how to shoot and like teach me like nice. do drills and stuff as like a five-year-old. Um, so I got pretty good at it, but I, I played a little bit in middle school, but yeah, I, I will never join a league. So there's no one will ever play basketball with me. No, I never, I, I go by uh. myself. I go by myself sometimes, but yeah, that's something that nobody will ever know about me. No one will know. No I'll one will be grave. waiting for this content. I um prove your skills. In LA actually, I did try to join an adult league, but because they they promoted it as like, "Oh, we're just here to like fuck around and get drinks after." And so I was like, "Cool, that sounds awesome." Like I don't I'm not interested in like being competitive. Um but they were very competitive and very oh. aggressive. <laughs> I am just 0% like an aggressive person. So the team basketball thing is not for me, but it is nice to go just like shoot. That's pretty relaxing for me. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah. you like, like pool shark, but with, with basketball somebody, right? Like you could be like, oh, I'm just going to shoot around. And then you're like, whoosh, whoosh. Like nailing threes? <laughs> it depends. It depends. If I if I could warm up, I have to warm up. But okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's got to warm up first. <laughs> nice. If there are any bars that have, you know, oh, basketball the, the, courts. The pop a shot thing. Like I mm-hmm. like those machines. Yeah. The games. Those are fun. Yeah. 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 Nice. I'll never play. Did you play anybody. on the Oh, okay. You, so you weren't on the basketball team in high school? Not in high school. In middle school I played. Okay. Um but yeah, once it started to get like the stakes were real and you had to be aggressive and stuff, that's where I, that's where my talents no, no. ended. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, great. I think we, I think that's it for today, but cheers. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Hopefully next time we record, I will sound normal again. Yeah. We'll see though. What is normal anyways? <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.